Hey, welcome and hello to the Meet Us in Paris podcast. I am Kristen. I'm Katharina. And I'm Zen. Um, so this is the podcast where we discuss worldwide travel. And today I'm actually giving Zen a break from the hosting and let him Yay. rest his voice <laughs> a bit. Um, so on this episode, um, a little more introspective side, um, I tried to find a quote that embodies our whole podcast and why so many people um, like ourselves love to travel. And um, after a little bit of research, I think one of the people who said it best was Jack Kerouac when he said, because in the end, you won't remember the time you spent working in the office or mowing your lawn. Climb that goddamn mountain. Hmm. So <laughs> with that in mind, one of the reasons we travel is to learn about other people and their cultures and the world that we're all living in. Um, so we thought it would be fun this week to offer up some of that world and travel trivia that we have picked up um, in a combination of all of our journeys. Um, it makes for great party talk and also just expanding your mind a little bit. So some of them deal with food, other with the journeys itself, and others on culture. So there are things like, did you know that wombat scat is in the shape of cubes? I nope. learned that from Zen. It is true. <laughs> I fact-checked it. That's really weird. And okay. it's, uh, they use that to help guard off other predators. Yeah, and mm -hmm. when they poop, like, it won't roll. Right, and so oh, like, other predators so, like, see it easily. Yeah, yeah so, like, <laughs> if it's on the log, it doesn't roll <laughs> off. I mean, I know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so well, that's interesting. Okay. Um, so good party <laughs> trivia, but um, I don't want to be invited to parties that this trivia is being shared at. I don't think they're presented. You never know. You might say it at your next party. Yeah, I'm going like, to be oh, the one. by the way. <laughs> bringing it, it up now. It's a fun fact and people <laughs> don't know it. So stick around. And after our sponsor break, uh, we've got an interesting podcast for you and some more acceptable travel trivia that you can use at your next party. Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. All right, so we're back. And we are back with travel trivia. Um, it is a really big world out there um, and such a short podcast. So um, I don't know who wants to go first. Did everybody base theirs around certain categories or are they all yes. totally random? Yeah. So mine I did is more about the plane. The plane. The airplane. She has all sorts of crazy plane facts. And you really know about planes. You bring them up and you know how KLM like has planes, a 747. Yeah. She wants to be a pilot. KLM is also the oldest airline that still works. Really? Mm -hmm. Like the longest operating yep. one? Really? Wow. Yep, KLM. <clears throat> we were just Dutch actually, she knows a lot about airlines. I was just so. talking to her about, uh, or was it in the, this podcast talking about 747s? We were, yeah. Yeah, and it's about just the like, cargo. yeah, the cargo. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a lot of them, like, I think uh, out of Taiwan. Anyways, I'm going sideways. <laughs> but the cargo plane, I was yeah. just on it um, this past summer. And I asked the flight attendant, I'm like, oh, like, I know we're on a cargo <clears throat> plane right now. Like, is there anything interesting like that Whoa. we're carrying? And she's like, actually, yeah, we have three horses on board. I'm <gasps> like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Where do they put them? In the, In the cargo hold. So hold. the plane, half of it is passengers <clears throat> and half of it is but cargo. Like, top half, bottom half, front half, back half? What? Uh, top well, half. Where, where's there's, the luggage There's goes a big wall. Some, yeah. But there's a wall that divides it. So the plane, when you get on it, you can't see the end because there's a huge wall. Okay. 
So you're like, what? What's the other half of the plane? And See, that's in just my for mind, cargo. the cargo is still just like a, like a bus. Like you just open the little flap and just a suitcase fits in. Yeah. I'm not big enough for a horse. Yeah. So they oh, have like the below huge. deck, but then on these planes, like half of it where passengers normally would be okay. is also cargo. There's I, – I th- I may not be correct, but Eva Air is out of Taiwan. Yes. And, and well, this is just random trivia, but I believe <laughs> that Eva Air started out as a cargo carrier, and they okay. were using 747s, and then they started getting into passengers. Okay. And then as time went by, they just became – well, actually, they still do cargo, but it's just they have a history of cargo, and then they moved into passenger planes. Wow. So. Well, even when you say cargo, in my mind, it's still like – I don't know, cardboard boxes of, like, bolts and nuts or something, like, to hear horses. And that really stresses me out, like, thinking about animals on planes. Well, it's actually – bolts go on ships because it's really cheap. (laughs) And the thing is the horses go on planes because it's actually kind of safer for them. And they're shorter trips, less stressful. So you don't want to put a horse on a ship for, like, a month. No, I know, but I just – are there people back there with the horses? That I don't know. (sighs) It's really stressful. I mean, there might be. There might be. I don't know. But when you say cargo, I have in my mind, like, you know, on the Jungle Cruise ride at Disneyland and you're going through the line and it's like very like 1930s ship with like like the, those boxes that are like nailed shut. That's what I think of when I think of cargo. So a horse was different. But I guess that's a good segue for whatever fact you actually wanted to share (laughs) with us. So one thing I remember when I was younger... I was sitting by the window seat. Now I don't like sitting by a window seat, only aisle. But oh. when I did sit by a window seat, like, have you guys noticed the little holes yes. in yes. the windows? The little tiny, the one little the tiny hole, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always wonder, like, why is there a hole in the plane? Is this bad? Like, what does this <laughs> yeah. mean? So if you've been ever nervous about that little hole, don't be. Mm-hmm. Um, the hole is actually very, it's necessary to regulate cabin pressure. Okay. So airplane windows are made up of multiple panels. Mm-hmm. So the hole helps the middle panel from becoming stressed with pressure during the flight. Okay. So that there's less chance of anything happening to the window. Yeah. And yeah. even like, even helps if someone shoots the window, you're fine. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty bullet. impressive. So, yeah. I have always good. noticed like... Um, around that little hole, like you'll see the ice form mm-hmm. when you're up really high. Like pressure yeah. differential yeah. and temperature yeah. differential. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, in the last 60 <clears throat> seconds or so that I was just talking and explaining about the hole, 56 pieces of luggage have been lost. <laughs> Over 2,174 people have arrived in a foreign country, and a quarter of a million dollars have been spent by Americans abroad. Wow. I I think where the luggage goes is where my socks go when they go into the dryer. (laughs) That surprised me a little bit. Um, Knock on wood, I have had great um, luggage success rates lately. So I've started to be like, wow, is lost luggage not a thing anymore? Mm. Uh, I guess obviously it is. But there was one time, I don't even remember where, but I had a very short layover and it was like, yeah, I'm not getting my luggage. I've just accepted it. Yeah. And then it showed, showed up. up. That's awesome. Yeah. Because so. usually they tag your um, bags mm-hmm. if they know there's a short connection. But this so was like not up. planned. It ended oh. up being like um, my flight out was like really late or whatever. Oh, gosh. Okay. So well, I don't know, but I was good. shocked. Yeah. <clears throat> Have you that's noticed awesome. they start double tagging as well? So mm-hmm. whenever you get your luggage put into the um, – whenever they take it away from you, they put that big long tag, which mm-hmm. is like 
you know, three inches wide yeah. and like 12 inches long. Mm-hmm. But they casually slip on a little barcode and yeah. they oh, stick yeah. the little barcode. Yep. And it's, all it is is the exact same right. barcode on the in tag case in case the tag get, yeah. once it gets lost. So, yeah, well, have you noticed they're not the ones doing it anymore? We do it. We have to bag tag everything yeah. these days. You know, Did, I've been – the little sticker I've been having, the gate – person has been helping us everywhere it. i go now um they're making passengers um tag their own bags which is hard because even people who travel all the time you don't know how to do that yeah it's like how do i stick it like, yeah and if they don't tell you to take off those little barcodes to add extra ones on you wouldn't know or think about yeah. it pretty soon we're gonna have to assemble our sandwiches too yeah the ones that we paid well, for. we yeah, do at subway <laughs> yeah well at subway we pretty much assemble our own sandwiches right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> So the lost luggage number, do you yes. happen to know the percentage of, like, how much of that is lost based on all travelers? That number, I don't know. Yeah, I'd be curious to know yeah. like how much is getting lost on the daily. But just in 60 seconds, <laughs> 56 pieces of luggage were Yeah, lost. that's pretty scary. Yeah. Have you seen the unclaimed luggage on eBay? No. So is it if, like storage wars <clears throat> where it's yeah. like you don't get to know what it is? Yeah. Oh. So, so the thing is that on eBay, um, they – like all these airlines have this luggage, and if all identif- identification disappears, they actually will sell it on auction. Uh-huh. And there's places on like eBay or auction sites that you can actually purchase them. And kind of like storage wars, there's people who actually go on YouTube and will actually. Ah. I got these suitcases. Let's find out what's in them. Oh, that's yeah, but funny. I bet TSA or whoever goes through them and takes the good stuff out first. Probably for sure. Maybe. For sure, yeah. So another random piece of trivia. So I don't know if you guys ever noticed when you're flying, I'll say, oh, it's going to take us two hours flight time. But then when you get on the airplane, the pilot's like, it's going to take us one hour and 15 minutes, Mm. right? So let's see. Is that the block time and the flight time? So they add those. That's actually a tactic done by the airline to improve their own arrival statistics. Oh, well, then why don't they just say all flights take 14 hours and then they'll all be super fast? So it just helps them if they're late with taking off or some technical issues. They're still within their range. Mm. The Mm. government actually put it where that came about was that the government started finding them if people came too many of their flights were late. So what they started doing was padding the amount of time right. by 15 to 20. Which is fair because there can be any number of reasons yeah. why it's not exactly on time. But, right. So yeah. the thing is, but then they start padding it extraordinarily. Like, these, right. it's like, wait a minute, I'm like 45 minutes early on a 45-minute yeah. flight, yeah. you know. So, yeah. yeah. So that's where it came from is <laughs> that government starts saying, you know, you can't constantly be bringing people in late. Right. So they just padded it so much that they're never late. Okay. There's a great Seinfeld bit about this where he talks about how, you know, a plane takes off late and then the pilot's like, well, we'll make up the time in the air. Don't worry. You're going to get on time. And he's like, if we can go faster, let's just go faster. faster. Why are we not just going as fast as we can all the time? Yeah. I know there's other flight patterns and things to consider, but I had a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, Last one. So. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, the food. I mean, everyone says airplane food isn't the best. So they oversalt the food on airplanes. And one reason is that a third of our taste buds are numbed from the altitude. Yeah. So that's why the food may not be Mm -hmm. tasting as good for us because it's overly seasoned. And also that might be a reason why so many people drink tomato juice. 
love tomatoes because it tastes better on an airplane because it's mm-hmm. more savory. Or maybe because your taste buds have turned off. And your taste buds, <laughs> a third of them <laughs> are gone, so it gives you just the right amount of I taste. I believe that 100%. So, Things feel and taste a little bit different in yeah, the air. So. I also heard that supposedly <clears throat> airlines also put stuff in their food to help you not go to the bathroom. Like <clears throat> a rumor, like, I mean, not Imodium AD, but something to help you not go. So because An anti-diuretic. Yeah, I guess so. Because what? you, if you're on these I long flights that. with that many people, what are you supposed to do if everyone's running to the toilet? But I have no documentation to back that up. It was just a rumor I heard, but... Something to look up, I guess. Interesting. Yeah, but we know apparently um, they oversalt for sure. Yeah, yeah. oversalt. <clears throat> wow. Cool. Oh, am I, am I on? Yeah. Um, plain facts. Can wow. you have something to follow that up with? <clears throat> Even more interesting. So mine is, um, mine is on food because I'm a big foodie, mm-hmm. and and there's the other part is that I believe that. I've said this probably a bazillion times on the podcast. I can't remember. But I think that food tells us a lot about different cultures. And the reason why is that when you go to um, – if you're in a certain country, like, for for example, Japan doesn't have a lot of beef. It's Don't an they island. they have all the Kobe beef? <clears throat> they do, but it's not like a beef culture okay. because there's no land for them to graze. Sure. So they have to – so lots of fish – you know, mm-hmm. vegetables. So the thing is that your culture, your food is based off of what um, you what you can get. <clears throat> so food has always been interesting to me wherever I go, and I always like to try the different foods. Hang on for a sec. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. Yeah. This is why I'm being relieved by <laughs> Kristen. <laughs> Sorry. So one of the things I thought was really interesting is I love Japanese curry. Do you guys, I don't know if you guys eat Japanese curry. Yeah, I do. I love the stuff. But, you know, I've been eating it for years. And then one day I kind of went, you know, it's such a weird non, it doesn't seem very Japanese. You know, you think of all the different types of food that are out there. Yeah. And it's not a really kind of, when you think about the spices, you doesn't seem so cohesive with the rest of the palate. Or or with the rest of the foods, right? Yeah. So I was like, where did this come from? But it's decided it's definitely not Indian curry, right? So I did some research and what had happened was it actually is kind of indirectly Indian curry. Mm-hmm. Where it came from was the British in the like eighteen sixties, the eighteen eighties, somewhere around there, was doing trade with um, the Japanese. And when they were doing trade with the Japanese, one of the things they offered just like um Lots of cultures that at one point is like salt was almost like equivalent to money mm-hmm. or pepper or spices or sugar. One of the things that they were bringing that the Japanese couldn't get a hold of was um, Indian spices. Mm-hmm. And then the Indian, uh, I'm sorry, Japan took the curry and um, obviously the taste is very different, but made it their own dish. Mm-hmm. So when you think of Japanese food, it's actually like a comfort food to the culture, but it's actually a it's a food that came from another country. I mean, no different than us Americans with like p- pizza or spaghetti. Sure. I mean, that's as American as anything else. Right. But it was adopted from another culture. And, and uh, <laughs> well, adopted from a Western culture that took it from another Asian culture. Which is getting pretty diluted there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> so I guess another kind of original fusion food. Uh, the second one was 
Um, once again, it's a type of food that I eat and I love it. And I realized, wow, this is so different than anything else within the culture is um, El Pastor Tacos. Mm, yeah. So good. Um, it's really good right now. So oh, if you're a Californian. Um, what does El Pastor stand for? Or what does it mean? That's uh, well, pork. Um, right. But El Pastor, it means like. A shepherd. Right? I swear, I believe that the, the I believe the original word was something about some kind of shepherd. Okay, that Let me tra- Google Sorry, translate I this right now. Um, or shepherd. Oh, actually, I believe it's Spanish for uh, shepherd style. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pass <clears throat> Yeah. That makes sense. And um, so for people who aren't Californians, like I'm originally an Ohioan, and the closest thing that we had to really good Mexican was Taco Bell. Um <laughs> That's not true. There's some Mexican, but it's and not. People will like tell California. you Taco Bell is not Mexican. It's too, not so. Mexican. <laughs> but when you when you eat the food, uh, the 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 Mexican food in California is just incredible, and it's very off- can quite often be very authentic. We have American Mexican, and then we have true Mexican. The El Pastor is just it's so different. It's got like different types of spices. It has different different types of flavors. And it's so different than any of the other foods that they have. And there's a reason for it. It Its origins is Lebanese. Hmm. Wow. So a bunch of uh, – the story is that a bunch of Lebanese um, moved to, to Mexico. I believe it was um, Mexico City. And um, actually, it's Christian Lebanese immigration. Hmm. And what they did was they brought their um, shawarma. Yeah. To Mexico. So good. And that's another great food, right? right. And when they brought their shawarma to, to Mexico, um, they were having a difficult time selling it because it's so different. Sure. You know? So what they started doing was uh. they started adapting it and to then putting culture. it into to that culture and started putting them in their taco shells. Wow. So then it became part of Mexican cuisine. And it's funny because if you ask 99% of Californians, Tacos del Pastor, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Everyone will tell you it's Mexican. Sure, yeah. But it's Lebanese. Now we know. It's no, a, it's Lebanese. <laughs> it's, it's origins. At least we should say the origins are Lebanese, but the, it is now culturally yeah. Mexican. There, You know, there's some other foods like that. Like the croissant is not French. It's not? The croissant is actually Austrian. And they created it when they defeated the Turks in Mm -hmm. some war. Sorry, I'm not a history major. And they made it in the shape of a crescent, which was like the Ottoman Empire's um, symbol. And it was like to symbolize their defeat over them. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Everyone associates a croissant with the French, but it's actually Austrian. Yeah. Well, they perfected it. Like sure. curry. There you go. (laughs) Or El Pastor. I guess, you know, they're the ones who took it and made it famous like kiwis, right? The Chinese uh, gooseberry didn't make it very far, but the... New Zealanders rebranded it yep. and made it work. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So the last one I have is not nearly as interesting, um, but, you know, it's interesting nonetheless being sure. Taiwanese is that um, a big fad in California and other parts of the United States are something called a boba drink. Yeah. Yes. And bobas are like so a tea. Good. And they ha- my, my wife, the first time I gave her a boba drink, and she drank it, and it was kind of like the first time the boba came through the straw, or like mm-hmm. her head shot back, <laughs> like someone had like, popped her on the forehead. And she's like, it's I lumpy. I hazard if you weren't <laughs> yeah, about seriously. what's going on. Well, I told yeah. her. Okay. Yeah, and I, I mean, told her. I see it, I guess. And she's like, yeah. it's lumpy. So for years, I mean, she hated it. 
And then once she kind of came in terms with that there's these it. things that she really loves them. Yeah. But for like a year or two, she called them lumpy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently yeah, what had happened funny. was in Taiwan, someone accidentally, there was the tapioca was mm. next to the tea. And then, the, you know, it's one of those like the peanut butter or the, the, the chocolate bar accidentally fell into the, the into the peanut butter, and now we have Reese's peanut butter cups. Same thing with, um, same thing with boba. It was done yeah. by accident. It was done by accident, and then yeah. they went, This to is good. <laughs> Start making the um, bobas or the tapioca balls larger and larger, okay. and then variations. <laughs> and well, I mean, tapioca is like, like yeah. BB size, right? Oh, they're bigger, a little bit bigger a than little that. Bit, but a like, bit. now you see these bobas are like. Half inch shot, you yeah, know. So yeah. they're like marbles. You can yeah, play a game marbles. with yeah, them. They are yeah. like marbles, perfect yeah. size. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. so that's where that's where boba came from. It came from Taiwan, and then it's a fad that spread around the world. Yes. Wow. I cool. saw them in France. They, I think yeah. it's all over the it's place everywhere, now. I think so. everyone caught on to that. Yeah. yeah. It's in Germany five to... years ago, and I was like, "What? You guys? They finally boba? made it over there. Yeah. Where? Poland? <laughs> no, Germany. Oh. Five years. Five. No, <laughs> nine years ago when oh, I was there. Geez. Wow, okay. They had it, and they called it bubble tea, though. Oh, yeah, I've heard I mean, bubble tea. But they bubble had, tea, like, the tapioca. Yeah. yeah, it goes by a lot of names, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's oh, good. Very nice. Well, it looks like you're up now, Christy. Yeah, um, I'm so bad at sticking with direction and categories, and I kind of went all over the place. Um, that's okay. Yeah, good, because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> but I can tell you I started thinking about... Um, animals i love animals oh so that's much. why you, the the angst mm-hmm. about yeah, horses the in the back of a plane. plane that yeah. makes sense they were fine <clears throat> okay <laughs> thank you <laughs> did you see them come off yeah. the plane no <laughs> you have a conversation they were fine she they, did and they, they were, were they were yeah. completely fine yeah no um at our wedding my husband and i we donated to the aspca like in lieu of favors and stuff wow. um yeah i'm just a big animal person and one thing is when i go new places i really look forward to seeing different species of animals mm-hmm. not that i'm you know i can't really go out and see like the jaguars and belize and stuff but you can try but um even just seeing different kinds of birds yeah, that are, like, oh, yeah, yeah normal yeah. and stuff i i i love that cream. but um when we had done iceland we were really excited to see the puffins um oh. yeah and uh, by the way puffins used to exist in maine and we what? basically led them to be extinct. They're they're Atlantic. Well, there's a breed that's like Atlantic puffins, and they go, they live most of their life at sea. And I think they would like kind of go back and forth between like Greenland and Iceland and Canada and Maine oh. and places like that. Um, so, anyways, uh, maybe they didn't like our food. It could have been. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't have boba yet. <laughs> so, um, spoiler alert: we did not see any puffins um, in Iceland. And um, I know part of that was the time of year that we were. They roosted in a very specific, like, the best place to see them was actually an island off of Iceland, like, even more oh, north. Okay. And, of course, like, we weren't doing that. But I wish I had this exact fact because I couldn't look it up again. But while we were doing this trip, we were, you know, looking up all these things about puffins, how to find them or where to see them. And I swear I read this fact that said um, something like, even if you can't see a puffin, like, they're all over the place. And there's, like, a 70% chance that a puffin is looking at you right now. What? It was really bizarre. But I remember it so distinctly because it became, like, a joke that rest of the trip that there's a puffin looking at you no matter what you do. Um, but they uh, are 
native to that region, but they live most of their life at sea, but they come back but to Iceland to roost you. and they lay one egg a year and they're watching you <laughs> wherever you kind are. Kind of sounds Iceland. like that story you mentioned last podcast about the bears and trees. Yes, the drop <laughs> The drop bears. Yeah. So in um, Iceland, watch out. Puffins are, are watching, watching you. you. <laughs> Part of their lore. Yeah, puffins and trolls. Um, oh so that's not even a fact that I can back up, so I don't remember it specifically. Um, but someone out there has got to do that research. Yeah. <laughs> I know what puffins are looking at you. Um, oh, hang on. I got yeah. a random piece of trivia for you Throw if you like in. puffins. Yes. D- did you see the last Star Wars? Yes. Yeah, the uh, the porgs. porgs. The porgs, yes. The are porgs? they supposed to be puffins? No. They look more like penguins <clears throat> to me. When they were filming the movie, and I can't remember the exact location, there were puffins everywhere, and they couldn't get them off the set. So instead, <laughs> it's like, well, let's just feature them. So they ah. they did the CGI. <clears throat> so like all the different puffins. So then they wrote them into a little bit of the storyline. But all the 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 porks that were floating around are actually CGI'd over um, puffins. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I that's love it. funny. So did they film that in Iceland? I can't remember where they or filmed Canada? it. I thought it was, like, in somewhere in the UK, but... It could be. Oh, like the Orkney Isles and stuff yeah, like that up there. Yeah, something like that is the impression I think I they got. would have those, too. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Okay. So, okay. anyways, Don't sorry watch that to scene again. No, that's okay. Yeah, all the porks. Um... <laughs> One other thing about animals that I thought was really interesting is, um, so the peacock is actually the national bird of a country. Do you know which one? Um, Can you guess? <laughs> India. Yes. Was that a guess? No, I had a... You knew? <laughs> I thought I knew, but I wasn't sure. India. Yeah, so um, obviously because it's its national bird, there are a lot of laws about it, but... It is, um, they are considered, oh my gosh, I should have known, but I think they're like some form of rodent or something like that. But they're. What? Wait. I feel peacocks? like I heard that too. And I guess the point I'm getting at, I shouldn't say stuff I don't know is true, but <clears throat> in the city of Goa in India, they uh-huh. got it approved to classify them as vermin so that they could hunt them because they were destroying their farms. The peacocks. The peacocks were because. Um, <clears throat> They were they're everywhere, right? India has a very free yeah, scavenger kind of animal animals. society, yeah. right? And <clears throat> they were ruining all of these farms. Right. Um, so even though it was a national bird, they were able to lobby and get it classified as vermin so that they could legally kill the peacocks. Aww. So, which makes me really sad again. But when but they taste so good. Have you no. had peacocks? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. um, but you know, when you you read some of these um, environmental things about how you need to control certain populations yeah, for the other ones, sense. yeah, I I can get behind that. I understand, but. Um, I thought that was interesting. And I was even fascinated to learn that it was the national bird. I learned that when I was there, which I had no idea about before. Um, but I didn't see any wandering around while I was there. Because they've been all killed. Yeah, yeah. They, well, I wasn't in Goa, but yeah, maybe they were all killed. Oh, They're probably man. out in the countryside a lot more, I'm right. sure, obviously. In so Poland, what did... there's a town. I forgot what it's called, but I was there and I was little. And I have pictures of me just walking around with peacocks. There's like what? wild peacocks just walking around by wow. a castle. And wow. I'm like, okay, cool. Were they um, making the uh, one? I have a picture spread? of one that did the whole wing, and then there was like a few females, which are just like brown. Oh, and, like, right, walking around. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to Kauai in no. Hawaii? Hawaii, no. Kauai? Mm-mm. No. So they have. It, it's crazy because when you're in Kauai, they have uh, chickens, wild, feral chickens, <laughs> everywhere. They I had mean, that in <clears throat> a, a lot of islands. Had that. They had that in Tahiti yeah. too. 
because they don't have natural yeah. predators. Yeah. And so right. they're like they everywhere you go. Do they collect their eggs? No, they're just, just it, it, they're like pigeons. They're like pit, pigeons. They're quiet, quiet <laughs> pigeons. Yeah, quiet pigeons. Nice. They're just everywhere. <laughs> and I asked, can you eat them? It's like, no, they're too tough. You know, because they're they're yeah. feral Hunting and they're wild. And muscular. Yes, yeah. but you know, it's everywhere you go. They're, they're cutting. Yeah. They're cutting across the parking lot. You know, they're like That's they're funny. they're on top of your car. They're they're just everywhere. It's, right. it's kind of neat. Right. It's really neat. I mean, it's neat to yeah. see them. Well, so. it's like in uh, a lot of the Caribbean, <clears throat> there are the wild pigs everywhere. Mm. Like yeah. I think Jamaica. A lot of the Caribbean, the Bahamas. There's like right. those colonies of pigs that just in exist Poland. And there's swim. wild boars. Just yeah. running Jeez. around in the Could forest. Hurt you? Those yes. Yeah, they're right. very so like sometimes when I'm walking in the forest to get somewhere, it's like night. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still fascinated by Poland and walking in the forest, like with a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, like when you go to, to like the beach, there's like a forest right there. So sometimes you could do like a nice yeah, path. Okay. Through the forest to get back into the town. But yeah. It's you have like to go. You yeah. have to go. Um so the other thing, I, I won't even bore you with how I segue to, to animals to this, but another thing that I love is I'm obsessed with monarchies of the world. So I love <laughs> okay. royal families. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I always <laughs> am fascinated when I'm in a country that has a royal family. And I often, because I hadn't done that much research, get surprised that I'm in a place that has a royal family. So mm-hmm. like when I was in Madrid, I'm looking at the map and it's like, oh, the royal palace is right there. I'm like, Spain has a king? Right. So I forget a lot of these countries. I think there's 26 countries that have um, royal families. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's on your list of places to go then, right? Everywhere you know, that has a has monarchy. It has a monarchy. Yes. Yeah. That, and Saudi I love, Ar- yeah, <coughs> when I visit places i love to visit the royal palaces if if they allow yeah, it which right. a lot of them do have at least some room or wing or something that you're able to like visit and see uh, so we I try call it trump it tower in new york <laughs> no <we do> not. <laughs> no okay <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> although speaking of i've never even visited the white house i know we talked yeah. about dc but i've never done those tours to see the white house it's which... incredibly difficult to get into the white house now because of the, the security kind of, even the like school tours and stuff so used to be when I was a kid, you could just literally walk up to the White House and just get into the White House. Mm-hmm. But now you need to like speak to your congressperson checks? or your wow. senator. You need Jeez. to have a 30-day advance. I actually tried to get mm-hmm. in when yeah. I was um, in Washington, D.C. in December. And you had to have a 30-day, 90 days is better. And then you have to be approved. And I officially never got approved to yeah. go. So see, it makes sense. I get it, but then it always blows my mind when I'm in Stockholm and they're letting just wander inside, and they're like, "This is where they have dinners," and you're like, "Oh, and we can just be here." Yeah, the world is dangerous. You know, it's It's a dangerous place. It's different everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. but um, one thing, um, and this is kind of a personal anecdote. So there is a country called Liechtenstein. Yes, and they uh, speak German. Yeah, so small. Um, I actually had a friend who was from Liechtenstein, and he was telling us how um, he met their king. So they have a monarchy, and he met the king of Liechtenstein, and it was like a school thing. And I'm sure because the country's so So small, small, everyone knows the king. And like (laughs) they're all friends. Yeah, I'm sure like not even a thing exactly. Um, But. In Liechtenstein German, there is a specific tense that you use to speak only to the king. And you learn it in school to meet the king and to speak (gasps) to the king. And when he was there, he used the wrong tense. And I was, like, you know, really ashamed and, like, um, really embarrassed. But, you know, 
King was fine with it. Thank goodness. Yes. Who would he be? But I thought that was very interesting. That's super cool. I mean, I guess you would, in a country like that, maybe you do see the king a lot and need to master that language. But What about, um, so what state, let me see if I got this right. What state in the United States was the only place to have a king? Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, good one, yeah. Didn't they look <coughs> well, They had a monarchy. They had queen, too. Yeah, they had a When the U.S. took it over, the queen was who they, like, quarantined her. Yep. And everything. Yeah. Yep. And you still can actually go. They they have, I can't remember the na- exact name, but if you're on, uh, not the... Uh, near Honolulu, they have a cultural museum on um, the other side of the island. And you can mm-hmm. go there and you can actually see a lot of the royal, um, they have these like staffs with these beautiful canary feathers. Mm-hmm. And the conversation, they talk about these staffs and these staffs, all the canary feathers, they had to wait, for, this is Hawaii, so Hawaiian, right? They, they weren't plucked off the canaries. They waited for the canaries to molt oh, the feathers because nice. they did not want to harm the animals. Mm-hmm. So all these staffs that they look like huge dust um, oh, dusters, yeah, yeah. you know, like ten foot dusters, yeah. but with huge tops and they're wow. beautiful. And and it's just so wow. it's, it's, so you, if you like interest in monarchy, you know, yeah. that's our only monarchy. Well, this country was founded <coughs> under a monarchy. <coughs> yep. So where are we drawing the line? <laughs> <clears throat> we're a colony, I guess, but we never separate. had a palace we're here. Yeah. yeah. Well, never had a palace here. George III, <laughs> the last one. Um, the other thing, so not Spain. Japan has a <gasps> current emperor who, by mm-hmm. the way, is abdicating this year. Hmm. Um, it was announced that he will be abdicating his throne, the chrysanthemum throne. That's what they call it in Japan. Um, on April 30th of this year, for his son, mm-hmm. and his daughter, Princess Ayako, recently renounced her title to, to be able to marry a commoner last year in October. Right. And um, I was actually in Japan in October, and I just missed their <laughs> royal wedding, which was <laughs> such a bummer. Um, but they, I know there was talk that they were trying to rewrite the laws that, first of all, they wanted to change the gender secession so that a firstborn, whether male or female, could take over the throne, um, which it's currently passes to the males. Um, but then also that a woman wouldn't have to abdicate in order to, or renounce her title in order to marry a commoner, because that mm-hmm. is the law right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if anything ever came of that, like in time for her or, mm-hmm. yeah, so it sounds like well, she, she chose love. Yeah, which I couldn't imagine doing. <laughs> I want to be princess. Didn't, didn't Prince Charles forfeit some of his because he married? No, no, but um, King King Edward, who mm-hmm. was um, Prince, sorry, Queen Elizabeth's uncle was king, and mm. he abdicated to marry Wallace Simpson, the um, twice-divorced American socialite, and then uh, Queen Elizabeth's father then took over, and then she became... Queen. Oh. She wasn't originally in that line, like the mm-hmm. direct line. Um, but then Charles, when he married Camilla, is right. that what you're referring to? Yeah. I don't think he gave up <clears throat> anything. Um, or maybe still, Camilla cannot be referred as a princess cannot, or a queen. If Okay, so she, first of all, they don't <clears throat> refer to her as, as Princess of Wales, which is technically one of her titles, but mm-hmm. because everyone has such a strong association with Diana, mm-hmm. they call her the Duchess of Cornwall instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but just how the monarchy works regardless, because Charles is the blood, he will be the king and she would be the queen consort. Right. Which is the same it would be for Kate 
Middleton just because <clears throat> they're not the blood. But I don't think anything changed from him marrying her. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's my understanding. But. Okay. Well. Yeah. And obviously the British monarchy is like the most well-known, especially in America. Yeah. Um, but there are so many monarchies still still going on out there, which always surprises uh-huh. me. But I love visiting those uh, palaces and seeing their histories and things like that and new places that I go to. So that was part of my fun facts. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So what did we learn today? The world is big and there's a lot of interesting <laughs> things out a lot there. Going out there. I have something super random. Yes. Oh, cool. Not re- uh, related to planes. About the Trevi Fountain. Oh. In Rome. In, in Rome. Rome. Yes. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but so you know how like so many people make their wishes and drop yeah. coins? So that money is actually collected every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9 a.m. Whoa. That's why I go there at 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at 9 a.m. for about an hour and a half, the money's collected and they get about 1.2 million euro what? a year. And what a do year. they do with it? They <laughs> donate it to charity and to help the poor. Wow. So that's also like your money's actually helping people. That's beautiful. Yeah. I can't believe you can collect that much from that fountain, though. Yeah. I Maybe we should go at 80. <laughs> I'm charity. You've been there, right? I'm, I have been to Rome, yes. No, Trevi Fountain. Oh, yes. It's well, yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. I know, but for some reason thinking that <clears throat> from all it those accumulates coins, yeah. Yeah. in coins yeah. of all things. So. Yeah. But that Very thing is huge. And everyone, I mean, you have to throw three coins into the fountain, right? So... Yeah. My my favorite thing from Rome was um the the truth mouth. I Yes. The, I forget Boca I for- del della Verite or whatever from Roman Holiday. Did you put your hand in? Of course I put my hand. Okay. In. But you know, did you see Roman Holiday? I need Audrey to Hepburn? watch it. I need to watch it. I don't know. I just remember watching it as a kid and always wanting to go and that was my favorite thing in Rome. When it's totally like not that exciting <laughs> either and it's like off to the side and <laughs> Okay, I'm going to – we completely changed subjects, but yes. not going to go for it. If you're in Rome during August, mm-hmm. you must go see the opera in the bathhouses. Oh. So they have operas under the summer sky, and mm-hmm. August is a falling star month in, in Rome. So as you're watching the opera – um, if you look up every once in a while, you will be, if you're lucky, you'll catch a glimpse of falling stars cutting through the night sky. It, I mean, is that <clears throat> predictable each month? Uh, like that? Apparently or there's month some kind of, chance. apparently, no, specifically it's August. For some reason, there's some kind of something or another, and it's always in August. Hmm. And when I did it, it's like, sure enough, look up, it's like, whoa, whoa. And then it's just like the streak of just wow, streak of light awesome. in the sky. You know, you're what? So I mean, what's more amazing than I'm in Italy? I'm watching the opera. So romantic. And there's, yeah, well, I was <laughs> I was with my parents and my sister at the time. Oh. But anyway, so, <clears throat> um, and then just like seeing, you know, seeing meteors fall from the sky. Yeah. So really cool. Got to do it. Definitely. Well, great. Well, I'd say with that. We had a good, robust session and learned a lot. Um, Thank you for listening in, and hopefully we have stimulated your desire to travel more and tune in more. Um, Last of all, before we go, we want to give a big thank you to our amazing sponsors, the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education. We don't want to brag, but we're kind of the best kind of awesome at UCI. So check 
out our courses in person or online at ce.uci.edu. Thanks again for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Bye.